This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus and Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to the third edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus with Alan, and today we have John French joining us. And uh, the reason why John is here, uh, I because Alan has been a journalist in town forever, and John, a uh, journalist here in town forever, although you've been, you're, I'm a bit of hiatus, a journalism hiatus, I want to call it. Kind of in, out, and back in again. Yeah. Sort of, kind of. So I wanted to get the, get these guys in the room with me. Well, Alan's always with me in the room. He never goes away, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we're talking about OCP. There was a big meeting last week. And, I mean, we, we've yeah. seen Squamish. And one, one of us was there. Anyway. Uh, two of us were there. Well, you two were there. I well, I mean, of, of the Marcus and Alan team, of one of Marcus us was here. See, Alan's the trooper. Well, the he's... But, you know, he, you're also a family man, so you, you get a pass on that. Can I can I stand up for the average person who has no idea what we're talking about when we say OCP? What, yeah. What yeah. the heck is actually, OCP? I, actually, that was one question I had with Alan the other day. He's like, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what OCP means. I, I really don't. Go ahead. Lay it, off, lay it on us. Oh, I get the honor? You, get, you brought it up. Go ahead. Official community plan. Official community plan. And now, actually, something that you didn't mention in the intro is, John, he's a rare bird, an increasingly rare bird for Squamish, in that you were actually born and raised in Squamish. Exactly, yes. So when we talk about the community, you've actually seen the community from way back when to now. Yeah, my earliest memories around population uh, would be when the population was about 5,500 people in Squamish. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago. Long time. And, you know, the growth, I came in, when, when I moved here, I came in in 98, 99. So it wasn't as big as today. I mean, the Walmart wasn't here yet. Uh, the Adventure Center wasn't here yet. There's a few made, like, the uh, the London Drugs, the movie theater, what, what was the movie theater, which now Dollar Store was not here yet. So Boston Pizza. So a lot of things weren't here. There's a lot of growth. And, and, and that's where I think people start stepping back and going, okay, what's happening in this town? Uh, and the big talk, of course, is that Jumar building that's going across near the... Near the, the, the By Squamish Elementary School. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and it's a gigantic building. And now everyone's up in arms, especially on Facebook about it. And, and they were talking about that forever. I think a couple of weeks ago, the proposals came up, but no one showed up. But now it's on Facebook, so people are angry. <laughs> so it's one of those things where the OCP, uh, they, they had a, a meeting last week. So people can come down and figure out what it, what's the plan. So, in a nutshell, guys, what's the plan? The growth plan in Squamish is—is is, is it comprehensive? Is it going to work? Is it balanced? What's I, I don't think you can Those put just, it in a nutshell. Yeah, you can't put it in a nutshell. You're talking about some pretty broad questions. Yeah, there were some angry people. I wouldn't. No, I won't say angry. There were some people that definitely were not on board at the Tuesday meeting, which was the 16th of March. Some people that were definitely confused. Now, and to, and to be fair, there were people that were congratulating the district on doing quite a comprehensive job. There were a lot of people that got up and spoke about opening up the Chima lands, which uh, seemed a little orchestrated. But then again, opening up the Chima lands would be, it seems like that's a no-brainer. And when I talked to the mayor for an article in the Chief back in September, she did say that they were planning to open up the Chima lands. So I don't know what's happened there. Now, Again, I'm going, to, I'm going to defer to John here because why don't, why don't you explain what the Chima lands are? Because you, you, you know more of the history about that than I do. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll go way back to the time when Quest University was rolling in town and the Quest opted to move forward. And one of the things that the people at Quest were looking for was some certainty around value of the market lands that would play such a key role in financing the university. So council of the day um, 
took a look at future developable lands and identified that property, so District Lot 509-510, as a competitive piece of property. So the thinking was that if those two pieces of property were available for purchase as market lands at the same time that Quest was trying to sell off lots around the university, Quest would have a real challenge meeting their financial goals. So uh, the cap that we hear about today, this population cap that prevents those lands from being developed was put in place to ultimately protect the value of the Quest lands. So what was the cap? What was the number? 22.5, I think, or was it 19 and some change? It, it, it was a number where the, we are at, right. close to now, uh, either almost at or slightly above. So this is before the big bubble, before people started oh, moving up this way? Must this, have been. This was, this was as... Like 12 years ago. More than that, even. Okay. This was as Nexen was starting to bubble. Right. Um, I believe the Interfor mill was still operational at this time. Okay, so those are two mm -hmm. key pieces of property. And then Crumpet Woods wasn't even really in its early stages at that time. Okay, so three key pieces of property that right. have come online since that time. So, you know, if you're the owner of DL 509 and 510 and you know you're on the sideline because you have this cap and you're seeing Crumpet Woods come along, the Nexon lands and the old Interfor site, a uh, bit of a heartbreak because... Yeah. You know, all this property is being sold and there's, there's no participation in the market. So, uh, you know, the Chimas have been on the sidelines for a long time. They're basically now saying we're losing out. Like housing is in demand here. Lots are in demand and we can't fulfill that demand. Meanwhile, housing prices are skyrocketing. Yeah. Um, Hey, people, let us come on board and contribute to to supplying the demand. And the other the other thing was about the Chima lands, as several people at the meeting brought up, it would be the first ride in, ride out community in Canada, if not North America. You could ride, you could go off your front porch, be on the mountain bike trails be riding all over Squamish and ride right back in. And I guess in the winter you could even you could even do that with cross country skiing. And now if you were marketing now all you've been doing for the last decade if not longer in marketing Squamish is tech rack. You know, it's the out, I mean it's the outdoor capital of Canada, so to speak, or so they say. And here they are saying no to this development. So again, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, and one of the knocks against it is it's outside of current planning for expansion. And, you know, I've, I've talked to the mayor about this. And one of the things she says, and I'm on board fully with this thought, is you want to infill what's existing before you start putting in new um, sewage lines, new fresh water lines, new electrical, new sidewalks, and all of that. Now... The challenge I have with the Chima lands is it's right up against Pia. So it's not like we're we're going way out 
to develop that property. Yeah, around the Highlands, yeah. Yeah, it, the, and where I believe the developer would start the development is the end of Chima or the end of Pia. So, you know, we're not talking about a huge investment in, in new infrastructure to reach that property. And there are other properties in Squamish that you know, it, it would be a bit of a line to get that infrastructure to those spots. So you're saying either uh, build up on what we have or expand. So you're, you're agreeing that we should build up where we have. Infill, for sure. I am I'm a proponent of that. There are still a few properties in this town that that meet that infill yeah. uh, concept. More than a few. Yes, I, I agree. There's a lot there. So let's let's take it back a bit from the Chima lands and let's yeah let's look at the broader OCP. And of course, the focus is on the waterfront landing and the oceanfront lands because when we're talking about brown, you know, when we're talking about infill. Those are the largest brownfield uh, sites, obviously, in the community. Mm -hmm. And we all saw 12 years ago, we all saw the town chase Qualex Landmark out of out of town. Yeah. We would have been a decade into that development already. That would have been a we should, lot we should of housing. a little housing. more background to that because that, that's one of the, I think, the most ridiculous deals that this town passed up on. And, and a lot of the new folks in town don't understand what happened with that deal. So uh, let me see if so, I remember with my with my broken brain that okay, I go have for here. Uh, there was a company that came in, went to the district. They said, you know what, we're going to clean up Nexon. And we're going to give you a bunch of money to do it. And we're going to put in everything you want. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the story now. That's well, what the myth is. Now it's become mythos. Now back it up a little. Back up the truck. <laughs> um, so that land, which is often referred to as the Nexon lands, was a chemical plant that stopped operating. And um, BC Rail Properties, so the provincial government essentially, um, had control of those lands. Uh, saw the writing on the wall with the plant shutting down, the pollution that was on that land, came to the district of Squamish, then Mayor Ian Sutherland said, yeah, we'll buy that property for a dollar. So uh, actually two pieces of property, so two toonies, two, two loonies. <laughs> yeah, and it, it ended up costing us a lot of money because the remediation that was needed on that property was pretty significant. However, the value of it as residential commercial property, extremely high. So the district of Squamish put the word out, okay, developers, we want somebody to come up with a plan. And uh, Landmark Qualex was the company that was chosen to move ahead and create a plan for that property. And not everybody liked it. <laughs> and when government bodies try to make decisions around land development, in my mind, it never works. Like developers should develop and municipal councils should make decisions about potholes and recreation centers. Because what happened with that property was it became political when Landmark Qualex had this plan that I personally thought was a darn good plan and would have been good for the community. Um, the council of the day ultimately rejected it. Landmark Qualex looked at the situation and said, yeah, this town's messed up. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then we ended up being on the hook for about $10 million in remediation that they would have been paying for. Mm -hmm. That cleanup is right. Right. Yeah. Because there's chemicals in the ground. Mercury is an issue, yeah. or was was an issue on that site. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a working chemical plant through the 1970s. We weren't as environmentally conscious <laughs> yeah, back you know. then. You know, like dumping oil <laughs> into a pit in the middle of the estuary wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it wasn't really. Yeah. Yeah. And today, we, know better we, now, yeah. we just wouldn't do that today. Yeah. 
Because I remember they had a, the, the old Nexon building that was there. They had this old building and they had a setup of what they were going to do there. So they had like a big, broad plan and anyone could go there and see it. So is it, it was purely dysfunction on council's part that it fell through or was it just how, like, I mean, it, it's just, you're, you're saying this is, this uh, it was a, as a political hot button, right? And I, I'm trying to see how it can translate to today because the way things are today, it's very political right now. People are very active, uh, namely, namely because, you know, the, way developments are going right now it affects everyone in our pockets right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah uh, the the land became super political and i uh, give two thumbs up to former mayor rob kirkham who stick handled to where we are now and then this current council has done a good job of keeping it on track and um yeah for me the lesson is political bodies should not be involved in real estate at that kind of level because it took us three tries um, you know, there, there was a charrette after the Qualix folks to try and reset the vision. And then that fell apart. And, you know, and now we're where we're at now, where it's actually moving ahead. And your point exactly, 12 years ago, if we had started, we'd be like nearing the end of the development of that property. Well. I don't know about nearing. The, we'd be we'd be a, we'd be well we'd, into it. We'd be over halfway, yeah. and that would yeah. be a lot of housing, a lot of amenities, possibly because they were promising to do the community center up front as part of the deal. So we'd have that. The arts groups that are now desperate for space would have that space. Anyways, but okay. So we got to we're talking about the OCP, the looking forward, and we're looking forward. Uh, I think what thirty five years is that. Uh, roughly the scope of this yeah, plan sure well, yeah, here's the thing about an official community plan as the word official they change it. well yeah it's a living document and it's official until it's not anymore yeah, official yeah you know there's a piece of property that gets zoned whatever and then a new person buys that property has a new vision for it and asks council can i rezone it can i change the zoning and council says yes or no and in the process consults with the community and we all get our say on how we're impacted and how we feel about it. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's great to have the vision that the official community plan presents from a big picture perspective. It cracks me up when I hear people rail on about changing the official community. Why have an official community plan where you can change it so easily? Well, it's a visioning document. You got to start and somewhere. You have to start somewhere and you have to be flexible moving into the future. Um, I mean, there are a ton of examples of zoning that just doesn't make any sense. And it's only not making sense because the zoning is legacy. It goes back a long time when the property around that property was something else. So uh, official community plans are great to have as a visioning document, but people need to understand they're not hard and fast. Yeah. They're designed to be malleable so you can move with time. So for those of you who didn't attend the meeting, the vision that we're talking about is taking those big brownfield development sites, the waterfront landing and the oceanfront lands, and, may, and focusing on downtown and putting a lot of density down there, a lot of mixed use, commercial, residential. And then I guess um, the preservation of a significant amount of green space through right from downtown all the way up to the Garibaldi Highlands. Uh, what am I missing, John? What, what am I? I know I'm missing a few critical pieces, but those are the main, the main parts of the vision. Yeah, yeah. Um, trail networks is is also um, right. something that's 
emphasized. Okay, but in terms point. in terms of the development, that's what they're looking at. And then I guess a lot of people got up and they said, "Well, why are we why are we doing this? Why are we focusing? You know, why are we putting all the density in downtown in these very sp specific areas?" And one, you know, more than one person got up and said, "Well, you know, here are the boundaries of Squamish. Why don't we just develop Squamish within the boundaries?" Which yes and no. I kind of see, you know, I agree with a lot of what the district is doing, but I can also see their point. I think that uh, it's a little too rigid. I think that, you know, like, you, um, but then again, it's like you say, it's like, this is a plan, it's a living document. It can be, it can be, re, it can be reestablished. It can be refocused. That said, you know, I mean, the Chima lands not being in there, I think that's a glaring omission. And again, I think, I think maybe they're too focused on this sort of one plan of a high density walkable downtown and maybe, be, maybe alienating, you know, the community at large. And one of the concerns I have with the density downtown is right now with where we're at today, there's a parking problem downtown, and I don't care what the consultants who looked into it for the District of Squamish are saying, because I can tell you when I go downtown, I have trouble finding a place to park. Yeah, but they want people to live downtown and walk. That's the plan. Sure. And or bike. Sadly, most people don't operate that way. Right. You know, a two-bedroom um, apartment downtown Squamish generally is going to have two cars attached to it. Um, and yeah, because they might commute. They don't actually work in Squamish. They have to commute either to Whistler or Vancouver. Um, yeah, one one half goes this way, the other half goes the other way. They're going to need they're going to need two vehicles. So I'm I'm hoping that as Squamish evolves, those who are gravitating to that high density downtown are going to get in line with the vision of reduce the number of cars, and um, you know turn themselves into bike and pedestrian people, and um, uh, just not rely nearly as much on cars. But, you know, the challenge, though, is we're a commuter town. Yes, and that, that and, was the point I'm about to bring up. is like, And we reason, don't have good regional transit. Well, the regional transit going up and down, yes, that's one thing. Like the bus to Whistler, that, the, how that fell apart, it's kind of ridiculous. But we are a commuter town. And I, I brought this up on our first podcast with, uh, with, with uh, Susan and, and Ted. And basically, like, yeah, we're working on for our identity for this town. And we have sort of, like, what are we doing? Uh, we need balance. I mean, if you want to be just a housing bedroom community, uh, there's going to be some problems with that, obviously, because we, like, if we don't have diversity of income, that means the burden comes to the homeowner to pay for their taxes, for the amenities. It's going to be stretched in homes in here. So you have to sort of diversify the income by bringing in businesses and getting people working here so you can minimize the traffic, you can minimize the commuting, and also uh, diversify the income and coming to the district. And I don't, I don't sense that's a, really a priority because I think what was it with Ted that mentioned that they, they, they're forced to build some storefronts, but developers don't want to do it because the demand isn't there. So how do you create demand? Is this something they're, they're actually strongly considering? Um, or how else are you going to, are they just strictly looking at uh, density housing for most of the income for the district? Well, I hope you're not looking at me now. I'm looking at both. <laughs> he knows exactly what it's well, like. I'm looking at yeah. John because I, I, I posit this to, to Alan tons of times and we have debates over this all the time. So you're a fresh respective. That's you know? right. Yeah, I, it's a dilemma. And it's the modern world that we're living into. Um, Squamish has already got a lot of coffee shops and a lot of secondhand stores. And, you know, those are two businesses that are, are doing well in our town, in this environment, in this current climate. And 
we we need business leaders in this town. I'm not one of them because I'm I'm not super entrepreneurial, but people who have business vision, who can create employment in this town, and and one of the concerns that we're hearing in the official community plan discussion is the rate at which we're allowing our industrial land to convert out of that zoning. Um, you know, once a piece of property gets out of industrial zoning, it's never coming back. And those good family supporting jobs that industry bring, the job potential goes with the property as it right. rezones. So is there any any plan to entice business leaders to come up this way? Well, um, the, the Economic Development Department, um, a staff of two, I, I believe, um, is let's call it new. I mean, it's a department that has been around for a while now, but that takes time to right. build up. And the two people who are, are in that department, I think are doing a great job um, and and have a good long-term vision, which is what you need in the world of economic development. So uh, let's give that department a little more time to, to do what they do. And you know what? It's not just that department. There are some committees that are feeding into those folks that are supporting what, what they're up to at Municipal Hall. And um, we need a little more time for them to produce results. Maybe time we don't have because it sure would be great to reduce the number of people on the, on the road out of town. To well, I mean, I, I moved to Squamish to start a business, moved down from Whistler and you know provide jobs and i did create jobs and i did create a business here and i remember working with it. the district actually was very accommodating i, oh, I, I did agree. find i did find it wasn't there wasn't a bureaucratic mess it was actually very streamlined it was very easy to deal with my first office when i first got here was out at the railway park which was zoned industrial and we were a newspaper but because we, you know, we were storing newspaper boxes. I mean, they, they <laughs> sort of run on a technicality. They really, really stretch the definition <laughs> to allow us to rent, you know, some cheap office space out yeah, in yeah. the railway park. So I found, you know, I was like, okay, you know, these guys definitely see a new business coming to town and they're trying to make it happen, which is great to see. That's what you want to see. But when you talk about losing industrial land, you know, we've had this talk. And again, this goes back to, and I know, we're, you know, it's like the, we're not supposed to say it, the Squamish old guard, we're supposed to pretend they don't exist, mm -hmm. but I mean, they do, okay? I've talked to them. And, you know, there's few of them ar around, uh, but back, you know, back when I was running the newspaper, there was a lot of them around, and they were still pining for the, you know, bringing back a pulp mill, bringing back a, uh, you know, bringing back forestry, which isn't going to happen. You know that's not going to happen, and you know a lot of the, a lot of people will tell you that what we have to learn it's not going to be that big plant with 200 cars parked out in front. It's going to be 50 little businesses yeah. hiring two, three, four people. That's what we have to attract. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I was trying to get with uh, with our two councilmen, Ted and, and Susan, and they both were seem to be at odds of what what the plan is. I mean, uh, again, it's at the end of the day, you want to diversify the income. I, I'm talking strictly from being like I, I have my own business and talking about streamlining the system. Like uh, I, I started my business about 16 months ago, and it was very easy. Just showed up the district. This is what I want to do. Am I in the proper zone for it? Awesome. Here you go. Bam, bam, bam. Here's a license. Have fun. Yeah. I, and, and a lot of towns can be much, much more difficult. Than yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, 
the, the, the system is in place to start businesses. It's a question of enticing businesses to come here. And, and when you're talking about getting so many homes in place, I mean, this is where I try to get some answers. It's about the diversification of income. Because at the end of the day, as homeowners, our property taxes are rising faster than inflation. And we're not seeing the same amenities as we see before because, there's, you know, the system is a bit taxed and we're not going to get into Brennan Park or expansion on fire departments or hospital needs. So now because that's that's, you know, that's again, we got a few thousand more people in here. That's where we see some strain there. So, I mean, where is this extra money going to come from for all these people? Right. And this and this is. Again, if there's no official plan about bringing in business or enticing business, then that means to me, it seems like all the all the money is going to come from our pockets as homeowners. Uh, that's, in my mind, a bit beyond the scope of an OCP because um, you're getting into economic development strategy and an official community plan is all about zoning of land. And it certainly ties in. I mean, it, it's there. Well, you have to think about it in, that, in, those, in, those, in those regards, right? Because if you're growing, you have to have sustainable growth. You can't rely strictly on tourism and you definitely can't get the homeowners to foot the bill all the time. Right. So this should be in the plan, considering that you're going to try and entice other businesses to come here. Well, and so now you've got me thinking about Garibaldi and Squamish, because in the world of big economic development projects, that would that, be about the biggest Squamish has. Yeah. And um, the Squamish Lillooet Regional District just basically pushed the project back to square one from a planning perspective with with um, with their um planning exercise that they've just gone through and the official community plan that Squamish is working on um, uh, my reading is it has a bit of a negative uh, talk towards Garibaldi at Squamish uh, so. it definitely doesn't jibe with the vision that they were presenting that's for sure but they being the Garibaldi at Squamish folks. no I'm talking the Garibaldi at Squamish development definitely doesn't jibe with the vision I saw the district putting forward yeah. in the OCP. Yeah. But as you say, is in, in terms of an, an economic development plan, an employment, an employer, holy cow, there, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of employment. Now, uh, Jessica Reed, if you're listening, I know you're over on the island now. Jessica Reed, for people who don't know, she was uh, an early crusader against Garibaldi and Squamish. And you know what? I, you know me. I, I tend to be pro-development, but she did bring up a lot of good points about it. There, the lack of water. Mm. There was a lot of, there was a lot of questions about viability there. Yeah. So well, and it's it's um, developer risk, investor risk, and the people behind it think that um, well, they're prepared to take the risk. Right. And yeah, granted, there's a whole lot of taxpayers that are are entering into that risk, as well. Um, but they think they can do it. They think they're success. They can be successful. And there have been previous provincial governments that have aligned with that and opened up doors and gates for them to get into a planning process to have them be where they are today with it. Yeah, and for people that don't know the history of Garibaldi and Squamish, which is the proposed ski resort up on Diamond Brome Ridge, which would come all the way down to close to around Cat Lake, they originally wanted to build all the way down to Cat Lake, but. People were so against that they yeah, they that sort of, got scaled back. Yeah, they scaled it back. But this this is a battle that's been going on for decades. Now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I started at Mountain FM in 1990, and one of the first full length interviews that I did at the radio station was with Wolfgang Richter, <laughs> where he outlined his his vision for the mountain, 
And, and that's not even the beginning of it. Wolfgang was having conversations in 89 and I believe even 88. And he picked up on Audi Bauer's vision that, you know, takes us back to the 1950s. When, when actual infrastructure was put yeah, in Yeah, because there is a lodge up there, and people do ski up there, and they have been since probably the 40s. And there's still concrete remnants of the uh, lift towers that were poured and partially completed for a lift tower, or for, for a lift system that was never finished. Yeah. So. You got to hand to them. They, they never say die. They are just, they yeah. just keep coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a project that has... Um, made its way over a lot of hurdles. Yeah. I was reporting on this all through the 1990s, action-packed all the way through. There was drama of every kind related to that project. And um, yeah, it's ever, even, ever even, even not really knowing about this project in my brain, when you're talking about it now, I just seem, to me, it seems like a bad idea. <laughs> it, like, I don't know the full details, but the way like you're talking about ski hill here, ski hill there, and the development, it just, I don't know if that's exactly what we need here, to be honest with you, but um, it, it, it's a legitimate argument. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I would need just by hearing it for the first time now about this, uh, then I would I would need more, I think, persuasion to say that is a good idea than it is a bad one, because I'm already starting on. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Actually, you got Vancouver and Whistler. Why? I mean, they tried a golfer. They tried an eighteen-hole golf resort here. That didn't go anywhere, right? So, it's now That's like it's, it's now a, a frisbee golf place, right? <laughs> and now they're they're, they're now talking about developing the lands back there, which is another fight that's going on with council. So that was also brought up at the OCP meeting. Yeah, the executive suites golf course. Yeah, here's something that's telltale, though. You we we have Whistler Blackcomb has a lot of future potential developable land. Um, to the south, so the Function Junction area, um, Chequemus. Uh, I think I'm using all the wrong names, but no, no, you know Chequemus Check Crossing, right? Function Junction. Yeah. Those are the areas they're looking at. Yeah. Um, it strikes me that Whistler Blackcomb wants to expand into that area, and if that's the case, then that says to me that there is a future for the ski and snowboard industry. And you can't even call it the ski and snowboard industry anymore without throwing downhill mountain biking into it. Because Which is huge. It's almost bigger yeah. than skiing. Exactly. Yeah, the summer not, business at Whistler Blackcomb yeah. has grown to a huge success. Yeah. I remember when they were talking about it and they finally put it in there. I was like, that's a great idea. Yeah. So if you have companies like Vale slash Whistler Blackcomb that are looking to expand to that magnitude, it says to me the industry's got some legs still. And... Um, Garibaldi at Squamish has viability. Well, as you say, we're, we're, the Aquilinis are behind it, so they've got a lot of money to throw at it. Um, the Vail Corp is certainly not going to like it, and they're gonna, they're, they've got a lot of lobbying dollars to throw up against it. But then again, if we go back to what I was saying earlier about us being the outdoor recreation capital of Canada, well, you know, why why aren't we looking more at expanding recreation? Because well, because we're not that anymore. We're hardwired for adventure. <laughs> these these cords right here are, are what's, proof of what's it. the difference, really? I mean, it's the same the thing. The sign is still up there when you drive up from Britannia Beach. I mean, come on. Do you know uh, Lance McClure, proprietor of hmm, uh, great coffee, proprietor of the great of Galileo Coffee in Britannia Beach? Great coffee. 
Again, Lance, if you're listening, that's free advertisement. Yes. Um, I like your coffee. Free. He was saying that our tagline should be Squamish. We play. Just oh, yeah, short like and to the point. And oh, I agree. Yeah. But okay. That could be interpreted many ways. But do you think that the gondola has inched us closer to a possible development uh, at Garibaldi? Yeah. I think that's yes. yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah, for sure. You know, that was a the, the gondola was a changing point. That was an, another key point in Squamish's history. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. You know, I, I, I mentioned this that when I moved here in, in 98, 99, that that's when the mills were closing down. And that's when he saw this, what I call a personality shift, like a, an identity crisis in Squamish. And then the Olympics came, they widened the highway. And there were still some people moving up here and buying properties. And I think the tipping point was the gondola, where people from Maple Ridge, they drive all the way up here, they get on top of the gondola, it's beautiful here, it took me 40 minutes. Awesome, why it takes me an hour from Maple Ridge to downtown, it would take me 40 minutes from Squamish, and it's cheaper here, awesome. And that's when you start getting an influx. And another key tipping point before that was the highway, um, the the changes, the improvements for For the Olympics Olympics in 2010. that was a huge tipping point. And then I agree completely. The next big tipping point was when the Cedar Sky Gondola became a real thing. So it took me 40, 40 minutes, like from Maple Ridge downtown, an hour and 20. This is awesome. I'm moving here. Also, there was times where I'd be up at the top of the Chief and I'd listen to people, you know, people that had driven up from Vancouver and they're standing on top of the Chief going, what town is that down there? I guess that's Squamish. I mean, seriously, I've yeah. heard that more than once. And then again with the gondola they know the gondola is squamish and they know that that's squamish down there and there you go they're th- and like you say they're thinking hey you know that would actually be kind of nice didn't take this long to drive up or we could live down there exactly beats, and, beats maple ridge which which is why we need the ocp right we need something going on here and and it seems like even our discussion here is one of those things we're following we, we're, we're finding kind of faults and we're kind of seeing some positives but overall it, it doesn't you know, you, you still go on, uh, I hate to say this, but Facebook, and you go on these groups, and there's still a lot of hate out there. A lot of hate out there of what's happening development-wise. And I guess the big debate is, do we grow up or do we grow out? Yeah, and as as someone who was here when the population was 5,500, it just cracks me up to see some of the discussion that's out there. And, and the lack of understanding. Um, you know, people who have lived here for five years, and are all up in arms about the future development. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. should have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so do we go up or do we go out? I think the answer is both. And we do it smart. We do it intelligently. The, both best, the best example I could go by, you know, living in the Middle East is Dubai and Muscat. Muscat is the town in Oman just south. And uh, that country was nothing 47 years ago. And now with, the, with this new leader, the way they've expanded Muscat is out. He refused to have buildings any taller than six, six or seven floors. Mm-hmm. There's one or two government buildings at eight floors, and he just spread out. And traffic is great. And it's, you know, every, all the amenities are they're dealt with, they're handled, they have basically spread out, so they just keep moving things over, and it's fantastic. Dubai, on the other hand, up north, it went straight up. And you've got traffic, you've got congestion. It's pretty, but you're kind of stuck in a... In a pretty much a concrete quagmire. Like, he's like, how do I get out of here? That road goes the way, ah, there are all these overpasses, it's crazy. So when you come to Squamish, do you want a big downtown with only has one way in, one way out, or do we want to sprawl out? And it's like, like what, what that, that fellow said at the at the meeting, like, do we just, here's the district, let's just grow and fill it right. out. 
I'm glad you just mentioned one way in, one way out, because that is really important for the downtown. And that that was a major oversight of the early planning and development of Squamish. It is just so crazy that, you know, Cleveland Avenue is <laughs> the one and only for all intents and purposes. Um, and, and that's something that this community needs to address really fast um, as the density increases in the downtown. And a bridge, on, correct me if I'm wrong, a bridge is not included in the OCP, a, sec, a bridge that would add a second access point to downtown. Yeah, it doesn't really fit into what an OCP does. Um, well, yeah, yeah. However, if you're, if you're planning to build thousands and thousands of units, I would think that some sort of, you know, that that's major infrastructure that's got to be incorporated into that plan. Yeah. Um, and it's important. It needed to happen five years ago in my mind. Because it would have to go through waterfront landing and oceanfront and let it. In fact, there are actually roads named down on the oceanfront lands that don't exist. They're there. I mean, they're named like in anticipation that there will be a need for them and that a bridge, at some point there were studies made and they yes. were anticipating that a bridge would land at this road. I think it was, was it Winnipeg? Yeah, Turn that's one of the options. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the option that most people believe is the most likely, the most viable, it makes the most sense. Yeah. But that's not on the plan. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, ooh, I, I, I haven't done a deep dive into it to, to know definitively. I, I'm going to look at that, actually. Yeah, that, that, that definitely contributes to the density issue, right? I mean, it's... it's well, and emergency services issues as well. Going in and out, yeah. You kind of need that. Well, <laughs> kind of. Considering there's no hospital downtown. <laughs> no, we, and you got to go to Valley Cliff, which also has one way in, one way out. And there has been some discussion of converting the emergency access road, the gravel road that goes alongside the estuary and the railroad tracks, into really upgrading that into something that's um, a little better than what we have there now. And then that gets us into environmental concerns because it would have significant impact. Did the, the OCP go over a lot of the environmental concerns, like the estuary? They were talking about building around there. They were talking about uh, saving green space. Did they, did they go really in-depth into that? Or are they just like, you know, uh, this is what we're kind of planning? Yeah, yeah, it's it's there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I'd call it in-depth, but uh, it's certainly not glossed over. Happy medium, somewhere in between. Yeah, I, they definitely, there's definitely a significant amount of green, green space that's being preserved. And it, it looks like it's being preserved in the right areas. It's not just arbitrary, like here, let's put a park here in the middle of downtown. No, it's it's an extension of already greenways or areas that are, you know, that are already, that are green, but, you know, they've, they've never been officially designated uh, parkland or green space. So I, I think they did address that as, as well as they could and still allow, allow plenty of room for development. Perhaps, perhaps they could have allowed more room for development, but. So overall, you guys sort of kind of like what the plan is or um, what's missing? What do you think that it's, it's comprehensive enough? Like when you, when you saw, when we were at the meeting and they were discussing it, were you like, okay, that makes sense. Did you come out feeling that this, this can work or was there some things that really popped out at you that what, like, you have issues with? I'm a little disappointed that after going through the charrette process on the oceanfront lands, that which was a really extensive public consultation, that really the OCP, and even though I do agree with a lot of the vision that the district is putting forward, I felt that that was a really watered down version of 
the charrette and what the oceanfront and downtown could be. Did you know that 100 years ago, there was an electric train that went from downtown Squamish to Brackendale? And they taught the tracks still there, and we still have the bud cars. I mean, we, we have the infrastructure in place. And during the charrette, they were talking about that. Now you're talking about parking spaces. Well, provide alternative transportation. And people love riding trains. People don't like getting on buses. Study after study has shown this in North America. People do not want to get on buses. They will get on trains. That's weird. But OK. I no, but I can understand it. It feels different. You go to the station, you right. get on the train, you're not sitting in traffic, you go to your destination, you get off. Just buses get bad raps, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. John, what do you think? So back your original question. Uh, I like this document. Um, and I like even more the process that we're currently going through to finalize it. Uh, consultation, I think, has been superb exemplary. Um, the way it's being presented, I think for anybody who's interested in it is manageable. Um, the just the, the approach that's being taken by Municipal Hall, uh, the amount of time that has been put into it, two thumbs up. Uh, have I waxed poetically enough about the district? All right. All right. I mean, are you, what are you doing? Are you running They've for office good. here? Or you what? Know, the points you're making is like, yeah, I hope they plan. It is an official plan, so I hope they took the time to plan. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. That's great. You know, I'm glad they took the time to do their job. But, but here's know. the thing, though. Like, an official community plan is something that can be easily messed up by rushing it and by not consulting thoroughly enough. And I'm... I can't say it enough. I think they've done a really good job on that. And then really, as a document, the thing that sticks out for me is the Chima lands and the, the cap that that property is, is facing. Uh, I'd like to see that removed. I'd like to see that property get into the market and, and help with the housing situation. Well, with people that are calling it a crisis in Squamish, a housing crisis. I don't know that it's a housing crisis. I don't necessarily call it that myself, but we we definitely have a housing issue in this community. And um, removal of that population cap, I think, could could play a role. So that would be my one and only criticism of, of the OCP where it's at right now. So overall, you're happy then? Yeah, overall, I, I think it's a fine document. Two thumbs up. I give it a, I, you know me, I'm never happy. If I give anything two thumbs up, people are going, are you sick? Are you yeah, dying? What's the matter what's with you? What's wrong with you, Alan? What's going on? I, you know, I think the mayor has done a good job in her stewardship of Squamish since she was elected. Uh, you know, I, I hope she gets another term. I can't see anybody else that could do a better job. But yeah, as I've said, I've got misgivings. I think, I think there's, there's certain, I mean, like you say, the Chima lands, but beyond that, I, I think there's certain elements that they haven't thought out, or maybe they've thought it out and they decide that we can just make it work anyway. But yeah, I do have misgivings. I like their vision, but it's far from complete. Uh, I guess that's all I can say. About well, it. so like you just said, like the document itself is ever evolving; it's always changing. So if people want to take part and actually, like you had that one meeting, and uh, I guess turnout was okay. Turnout was actually turnout was surprisingly low. I thought. See, and then again, they're, they're Facebook warriors, but then when they want to go out and do something, how can how can people do something? That's what I'm saying. So instead of complaining on Facebook, I can go say, hey, go here. What, what? Yeah, District of Squamish website is the best place to start, and they have um, really good info 
on the website, on the official community plan. We're, we're getting into the late stages of the consultation. So, um, you know, if you've got thoughts and you haven't shared them already, right now, yesterday was the time to do it. But I guess with that, we should wrap this up. We'll give, we'll give the last word to our, our guest contributor, John French. <laughs> Who is happy with everything, apparently. <laughs> Just ever-go-lucky guy. <laughs> okay, final thoughts. I, I'm hearing a lot of people that sound a lot like Donald Trump. Anti-development, we've got to slow down development. And, and He's a development guy. Yeah, where are you getting Donald Trump? It, no, no. So <laughs> I wasn't finished yet. Okay, sorry. What I'm hearing is people who want to build a wall and they don't want Squamish to grow anymore. A planning wall yeah. that restricts development. I've well, seen that. Yeah. as someone who's been here for a long time, it, it can't, people want to be in Squamish. We are like an it community right now. And um, we don't even need to build it, apparently. And they're coming. So, you know, fasten your seatbelts, people. Uh, we are a growing community and it's not going to stop. So instead of working towards stopping growth, we should work on doing the correct growth or balanced growth. Is what, what yeah, you're and then ask 10 different people what balanced growth is and you get 10 different answers. So yeah. it's it's all about working together on a document like the official community plan. There's some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. Some people are going to lose. Some people are going to win. And at the end of the day, it's the document that, that guides us. All right. And with that, I think that's all we're going to say on the matter. For what it's worth, thank you to John French. Thanks, John. Marcus, you want to take us out? Well, you know, like, like John, uh, you know, because you have that historical background and mm -hmm. you have that journalist background, we would love you to have on again, time and time again. Yes, right. I'm in. You're in. Yes, awesome. I'm glad Thanks, to hear John. it. Alan, always nice to see you. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are really cute, Marcus. Uh, <laughs> They're surprised. Look, he's blushing. There's, there's, you ever seen a 300-pound guy blush? I've seen it now. There's, there's, they're, they're obviously quiet, which is awesome. They're usually never this quiet. So how cooperative are they? It must be the soothing tones of John French and Alan Forsyth. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Have a good one. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seatoskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 